the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 179 for November 1st, 2009. The iPhone closes the gap as the most popular smartphone, the Storm 2, now available, and Google's game-changing GPS announcement. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you by Netflix and supported by listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. First, a word about an easy way to help support the show, The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iPhone and iPod Touch, now available in the iTunes store for $1.99. So what do you get? Well, first off, access to all episodes of the show going back over three and a half years, all available wherever you are via Wi-Fi, 3G, or Edge. Also, contact the show directly from the application. Stay up with the latest show notes, all without your computer. Search for TCPJ or The Cell Phone Junkie to take Joey and I with you wherever you go. Well, lots of news on the site this week, so let's jump right into it. First off, congratulations to Scott, who was the winner of our Smartphone Experts giveaway. Scott was one of many who submitted a photo of what they were doing while they were listening to the last show, and he will be receiving an iPhone leather holster, microfiber cloth, and three screen protectors, all courtesy of Smartphone Experts. Got a link in the show notes so you can view all of the pictures that were sent in. Thanks to everyone who participated, and thanks, of course, to Smartphone Experts for sponsoring this giveaway. Absolutely. I loved those pictures, Mickey. I was I was laughing, especially the one with the, the sticky notes all over the windshield. That oh, was yeah. great. Of course, yeah, it looks a little distracted driving <laughs> just slightly there, but that was a great picture. I, and there was a bunch of other really good ones. That was a that was a really fun, really fun one. Yeah, that was a that was a, a fun thing to do because obviously there's there's lots of different ways that you can you know figure out you know a way to have an entry done. But a picture does say a thousand words, doesn't it? And uh, when you look at some of these, a lot of people find uh, that you know themselves in a car when they're listening to us talk. And so if you're one of those people, you're probably sitting there with your hands on the wheel and sitting there staring out the window as you're hearing our voices right now. Uh, other ones were uh, out with. I guess to breakfast here, someone was in the gym, someone was hanging out in their backyard and uh, another person looks like they were clipping their hair. So (laughs) (laughs) definitely interesting things there. Definitely. Uh, A lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway, it it was a good contest again. Thanks to smartphone experts and uh, congrats, Scott. I'm going to be uh, shipping this stuff out to you tomorrow. Next, as we mentioned last week, we had a Sprint Samsung Intrepid Infra look, and a review is now available at thecellphonejunkie.com. October 6th was the official launch day for Windows Mobile 6.5, the same day Sprint announced the Samsung Intrepid. The touchscreen front-facing QWERTY world phone is a nice addition to the Sprint lineup. Definitely reminds me a lot of the Blackjack or the Sprint Ace. Uh, For all the improvements over the predecessors, don't plan on being blown away by this phone. It really doesn't bring much to the smartphone table that you already uh, can't find out there. So it is available for $150 with a two-year contract. Uh, Thanks to Sprint for providing that one to us to review. Like I said, the entire review is over at the site. Next, while we were at CTIA last month, we had a chance to talk to the folks at Dexum, which can be heard as part of the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked show number 33. They were kind enough to provide us with a review unit of the P-Flip portable power dock and uh, whether you can't make it through an entire day without your iphone battery going dead or you just want to stay charged up at all times there's many reasons to have an extra battery with you while you're on the go but what if you want to dock your iphone at the same time or how about have it stand up to watch media 
on it while it's charging. Well, the DexMP Flip uh, foldable power dock is the answer to these questions. It's got a 2,000 milliamp hour lithium polymer battery. You can get 1.5 to two times the additional battery life of your iPhone 3G or 3GS, along with the iPod Touch first and second generations. All of those are compatible with this particular device. The entire review for that one uh, with photos is also available at thecellphonejunkie.com. So check that one out. And thanks to Dexim for providing us with that portable power dock for review. Uh, next here, the future of Windows phones, a.k.a. Windows Mobile, was the topic of the Cell Phone Junkie Unlock show number 34 that was posted this past Tuesday. We delve into the world of Windows Mobile 6.5 and the new operating system from Microsoft, talking about what's new with it, what devices are out there that can take advantage of it. We also discuss the experiences with the, the new devices that we had, including uh, the previously mentioned Sprint Intrepid, as well as the HTC Touch Pro 2, as well as talking about some of the other devices that will be receiving the upgrades. Uh, A lot of fun stuff about Windows Mobile. So if you're a Windows Mobile fan, make sure you subscribe to the show so you can listen to show number 34. And then we also released show number 35. I went solo on this show. Uh, With 3G Cellular Spotty Performance, we wanted to talk about a service from Boingo, the world's largest network of Wi-Fi hotspots, with their announcement that they had this week of a new application for the BlackBerry that they released on Tuesday. I sat down to talk with Christian Gunning, the director of corporate communications, to find out what the application was all about. It was just a quick 10-minute interview, but it can, of course, be found over at thecellphonejunkie.com as well as the all the rest of the Unlock show. So check that one out and make sure you subscribe if you have not yet. All right, lots of news this week. Let's jump into it now here. Uh, first off, the FCC is warning of a spectrum gap that is being made by the iPhone. The FCC chairman, Julius Janikowski, in a talk this past week, warned about mobile data is facing a, quote, spectrum gap that could significantly damage internet access on cell phones. He considers the iPhone a leader in a wave of devices that are straining 3G networks enough to create severe accessibility problems and that the FCC is considering more creative steps to solve this problem. Among those include uh, exploiting unlicensed spectrum or even allowing second licenses and have two companies sharing the same frequencies. The lack of shared or readily readily available spectrum has been a problem for AT&T and T-Mobile over the past few months, and it wasn't until this year that AT&T's 3G network was able to take advantage of the 850 megahertz network. They were restricted down to that 1900 megahertz band it wasn't until they, they uh, sp- spread themselves out onto that 850 spectrum that allowed for the problems to start clearing in some of the big cities like New York and San Francisco. T-Mobile, on the other hand, has an issue where they are forced to use the 1700 megahertz band for its 3G, and it has to require or have the developers of products create separate products uh, that work specifically on their technology and their spectrum. It looks to be an issue that may not be uh, you know a big issue for a long time here, depending on what happens with LTE, but then And again, T-Mobile is stating that they're going to stick with the HSPA type of networks here for a little while. So some of these problems are expected to clear up once the 4G data networks are rolled out. uh, But we'll just have, have to wait and see what happens with this one. But very, very interesting stuff here. You know what it is, and it's the way it's going. I mean, wireless is king, and it's just uh, better than deploying copper, basically, to everybody's uh, location. And, you know, the FCC, I'm not sure where they've been um, because we know this is coming, and, and, and now they're talking about reclaiming some of the spectrum that they've uh, given out to TV stations now. They're not uh, saying they're going to do all of it. Um, some of the, st- the story kind of mentioned, oh, uh, moving everybody off t- 
over the airwaves TV entirely, which that's not a very good option in my opinion. Uh, that just I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one unless they decided to buy out one of the uh, satellite TV providers and yeah. literally provide satellite TV to every household, which for how much money they've spent converting this, you know, digital over the air and how much money they're going to spend, um, you know, buying back the spectrum from the broadcasters that own these licenses, they almost might as well. Um, why not have a government-run TV uh, thing? You know, that's no conflict of interest, is it? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. But it's uh, it's a very, very interesting situation that we have here with the with the Spectrum. And, and the TV, if you look at a Spectrum app, uh, TV Spectrum, now it takes up a little less, but it takes up a huge chunk of of good, you know, quality frequencies that we have out there. And it's, uh, it's just going to become more and more of a problem. And unfortunately, the, unfortunately the FCC kind of, uh, have really dropped the ball on this uh, in you know maybe ten years ago when they should have been planning a little bit better. Well, uh, you know you're you're onto something there with with satellite. Obviously, the FCC considering all options that they have available to them, and uh, you know the the Consumer Electronics Association uh, did a study noted that the federal government could make up to sixty two billion dollars if it were to auction. Uh, the TV airwaves that are available right now. The National Association of Broadcasters indicated that the idea, of course, doesn't sit real well with them, that if the FCC did take back the airwaves, they could have potential issues. Uh, But they didn't say how much they would take back. But the idea of a satellite-run or a government-run satellite-based television system is actually, it it makes quite a bit of sense. If you think about how we are, as a a society, as a nation, uh, actually as a world, how we watch TV, for the most part, it's all done in a stationary location. And that's why satellite works, because you're able to take the satellite feed and uh, harness it with a satellite dish that you've got in a fixed position and distribute it down to uh, a television that's obviously typically in a fixed position. Uh, you know, in, in a mobile sense, there's really not a whole lot that has to be done uh, other than just a, a quick, you know, configuration of a dish if you were, let's say, in an RV or a vehicle or something like that. And they even actually have antennas that can take advantage of, you know, not a, a, a unidirectional you know, type of antenna, but rather it's a it's a big spread out one, which is actually another way of doing it. So it, there's definitely ways to do it mobily, and it doesn't seem that far off. It uses so little spectrum, and there's so many better things that we could be using the spectrum for than the way that they are right now. Yeah, it's true. It's I mean, we're kind of in an antique uh, era here with the the spectrum allocation that we have for the TV stations. Um, yeah, it's it's something uh, it's something maybe to look at because. It is not. It's not going to get any better, especially with the demands of you know mobile internet. Which of course, then then if you need mobile TV, you just stream it. Yeah, you've got the spectrum now, so you can easily deploy you know wide band stuff that can take advantage of LTE or WiMAX or whatever we're talking about at the time. I mean, you can run stuff fine on three G at this point. It's not perfect. I mean, it's certainly uh, very, very, very. Uh, you know, granulated, um, I guess we'll say, but it's not nearly as bad as you would think. I mean, I, I, you know, I've used it many times, uh, you know, the 3G networks to watch stuff over the sling player and, and it seems to work, you know, really without, you know, too many issues. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's not perfect, but it's, it's not too bad, especially on a small screen. If you're on a small screen and you can get a sustained one megabit per second feed, I mean, it's almost restricted at that point by the upload side. Uh, many, connections now are you know one megabit or you know at the most three to five megabits in the standard you know cable connections but it's it's almost restricted by that the landline portion of it and in the and the, the cable side where they're the upload side so 
I think that they could def- we could figure this out, and uh, hopefully the FCC will take some serious looks at different ways that they can you know do things. Obviously, they could you know, generate a lot of money here if they were to sell off all these airwaves, and then not that they would take it and invest it into doing something for the public, but uh, it, it definitely it, it could work, and, and I, I, I like that, Joey. It's a, it's a really, really good idea. Well, we're, we're just going to have to wait to see here, um, and, and the demands of you know, the, the population on mobile Internet is really what's going to drive some of this. Yep, absolutely. Well, let's move, uh, switch gears here a little bit, move on to Apple and talk about how they're closing the gap very quickly on RIM in the smartphone market share arena. So here we're talking about how uh, Apple and RIM and Palm, and we'll throw in Windows Mobile there, I guess, as well, how they have all kind of switched around places here over the last couple of years. And this is a survey that was done back by the Consumer Smartphone, or the Consumer Smartphone Form Survey, uh, done by market research firm ChangeWave. Lots of strange words in there. Anyway, uh, but looking at this, if you go back to June 2006, Palm was the leader as far as market share, and they had approximately 36% of the entire market share when it came to smartphones. Uh, RIM BlackBerry was at about 30% of that, and everybody else made up the remaining, we'll call it 35%. Uh, over the past two years, Apple came into the market. July of 2007, they had about 5% of the market share. Uh, by the same time, the following year, they had about 10%. And now uh, the following year after that, we're up to uh, about 25%. As of September 2009, Apple has 30% of the current share of the smartphone market. That's just two short years, really, after when they came into this. Palm, on the other hand, has gone from that 36% in June of 06 down to 7% in September of 2009. So they've seen a very, very steady fall here. Uh, however, over the last year, they've pr- stayed, stayed pretty uh, flat here, uh, 9 8 7%, like that quarter over quarter. Uh, the one that uh, is seeing a little bit, uh, little bit of, of decline here as the iPhone is growing, though, is the BlackBerry. They started at 30% when the survey was done in 06, went up to a high of 43% in the beginning of 2008, and then have fallen down to 40% now. And this kind of, you know, brings out a, an idea of, you know, what is, where's the stability here? Who is, who is really going to be able to sustain themselves? Obviously, BlackBerry has got a lot of devices that are out there. They've got a lot of different agreements with different carriers, which I think bodes very well for them when Apple's simply with uh, a single, you know, a single carrier. But uh, you know, over you know over the course of time here, Apple's going to continue to rise. It looks like if we follow the historical trends, and they're going to overpass take take over uh, RIM, and at, at some point, we're going to see the iPhone being the number one smartphone. Uh, but, you know, Palm, on the other hand, is is really kind of dropped here. And, uh, you know, compared to, comparatively, though, it, it's an interesting one. It, it, this doesn't take into account, um, you know, Windows Mobile, or it doesn't talk about Windows Mobile, uh, which kind of ties into another link that we're going to throw in the show notes here that, that, that really shows how minimal Windows Mobile is. Uh, it's about 5 to 6% of the market share right now. And uh, it, it really is, is, is almost negligible. Uh, it's, you know, to the point where it, it, no one really, it's amazing how much we talk about an operating system that has, you know, so few devices that are out there. It's a little bit sad. Yeah, it is, um, you know, considering it, but, but it is kind of a niche, you know, a niche operating system and it's not real consumer friendly. So you're not going to have the huge volumes on that because, you know, consumers are what really drive, you know, the numbers, uh, you know, to, to, to really, you know, get the, the major foothold here in the door. And, you know, we'll have to kind of see what uh, Palm does here with their uh, new OS and their new devices. They're going to 
they're definitely going to have a slow adoption rate here uh, because they're brand new. We, we've only got one carrier right now in the U.S. with them. Um, obviously, everybody had a lot of uh, you know excitement for the new OS, but um, we've got Android that's now been out for you know about a year, and you know frankly that first year of Android was very very quiet on the G1. We did not see much from that, but what happened is they you know the the, the platform was able to mature. And we've got some new devices now coming out, hitting the market, and all the big carriers have picked it up. It's going to be making a splash here, so we're going to see a new blip on this uh, on, on these charts here pretty shortly. Yep, as we as we see more come out here, we're definitely going to see the uh, the interest, especially in it, go up. I know Verizon we're going to talk about in a little bit with their Droid, and that is, I think, going to be a big, big device for them. A couple other points of note on here. 39% of those surveyed in September of 2009 report owning a smartphone, which is up from 37% in the previous quarter, and that is up from a low of 15% back in October of 2006. Also, future smartphone buyers trends have kind of changed here a little bit. If you look back one year ago, June 2008, if you asked people which phone they were planning to buy, uh, whether it was a a Palm, a RIM, or an Apple smartphone, uh, it was almost 60% of the respondents were saying that they were going to buy an Apple device. Uh, That has changed here a little bit, and the most recent numbers show about 36% plan on buying an iPhone, uh, 27% a a RIM device or a BlackBerry, and then 8% a Palm device. So a little bit different uh, numbers there, kind of fluctuated a little bit. Uh, again, Palm steadily dropping, it looks like. A little bit of interest in the recent months with the uh, the WebOS and the Palm Pre. Of course, the Pixie coming out here very soon as well. And we'll just have to kind of follow this one to see how it goes. But obviously, RIM and Apple, the top two smartphone makers overall. Well, smartphones are definitely getting cheaper, shows a study here by ABI Research. 45% of smartphones by 2014 will be priced below $200. These numbers highlight a rapid change in the consumer attitude and a corresponding shift in vendors and mobile operators' sales and marketing strategies. The study found that in 2007, only 18% of the smartphones cost under that $200 price point. It has already grown to 27% this year. So the prices of the devices are dropping as more and more people get interested in them. Uh, Moving on, Google sent a letter this week to the FCC stating that they will limit the types of calls that it blocks with the Google Voice product. They said they've told the FCC that Google Voice now restricts calls to fewer than 100 specific phone numbers, all of which we have a good reason to believe are engaged in schemes. Google said that it will no longer block certain rural numbers, which it originally implied were too expensive to connect. AT&T had asked the FCC to investigate the service earlier in the month. The FCC said it is reviewing Google's letter, but has not said it will call of its own investigation. Texting and driving now banned in New York State. If you're a New York State resident, remember that starting today, November 1st, a $150 fine goes into effect if you are caught texting while driving anywhere in the state. So just keep uh, keep a look out there and make sure that you're being safe while you're driving. Verizon trailing AT&T in Q3 net additions, but also touts Q4 device launches. Verizon announced their third quarter earnings this week, revenues of $15.8 billion, which is up almost 25% year over year, service revenues of $13.5 billion, which is 23.7% up year over year. Company added 1.2 million net wireless customers in the quarter for a total of 89 million subscribers. While strong, the results did fall short of AT&T's net additions of 2 million for the third quarter. Nonetheless, Verizon 
Verizon insists that the strong fourth quarter device lineup, including the heavily promoted Droid, will help propel them into the next quarter. A breakdown of the metrics, subscribers, uh, the third quarter brought them to 89 million, like I said, which is up 25.7% year over year. Of course, that has a lot to do with the Altel acquisition. The carrier added that 1.2 million net additions in the quarter and 1 million of those were retail customers. The total churn was 1.49%, retail postpaid churn was 1.13%, and the total churn numbers were up slightly from the 1.36% reported in the second quarter. While data revenue was $4.1 billion in the quarter, data ARPU was $15.59, which is up 17%, and the average ARPU for uh, the user is up to $51.04. That's a 2.2% decrease year over year. So people are actually dropping down their plans a little bit as they're deciding on what they actually need. Uh, Very interesting news there, though. Uh, Sprint, however, came out with Q3 results reflecting a little bit uh, harder times, let's say, than Verizon. Uh, They lost 801,000 postpaid subscribers, which is better than the 870,000 the analysts expected. Sprint is uh, looking to losses of $478 million, which is compared to $360 million excuse me, $326 million year over year. Revenue dropped about 9% to $8.04 billion, though Boost Mobile was the cash cow for them of the quarter. They added 600,000 subscribers thanks to Boost's $50 unlimited plan. Uh, the Simply Everything packages, including any mobile, any time, and new hardware like the Palm Pre, HTC Hero, and others help Sprint or, or give Sprint hope that they will see their quarterly losses shrinking and maybe even moving to the positive side uh, in the next quarter here. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Uh, it's a very interesting how Sprint and Verizon, uh, very similar to companies a few years back, have really kind of you know split off and gone their separate ways here. Uh, obviously, they you know the idea of uh, of seeing that many million or thousands of people, close to a million subscribers every single quarter leaving Sprint, is a little bit alarming, and you have to wonder how long the company is going to be able to sustain that. And really, it goes back to and we've talked about this multiple times: the Nextel uh, merger, where they acquired the company and uh, have you know have basically been seeing their numbers of subscribers you know dropping ever since as the majority of the people that are leaving are from there. 801,000 prepaid IDEN customers uh, were gained, which is the Boost Mobile number, uh, but they lost like a, a approximately the same number on uh, on the postpaid side. So it's it's very interesting how, how those things are kind of offsetting each other. Because obviously Sprint's, you know, a good company. I mean, they've done real good things here. Uh, you know, recently with some new plans, Joey's still a subscriber. Obviously, he's got no problems with it. I love their data service. I, I use it all the time. And, it, you know, they're, they're generally a good company. It's just, it's, I don't know, something's not clicking for them. Well, they're just not, they're not marketing themselves appropriately. And of course, we had a, a few bad years there of some uh, pretty horrific customer service, which uh, no amount of marketing is going to be able to make up that. Once that word gets around, it's really hard to break that, uh, you know, that notion that people have in their mind that, oh, yeah, you know, Bill's mom had a horrible experience with Sprint and, and that, that travels and that sticks. And it is hard to break, you know, get that negative, uh, that negative image off of people's minds. So they do have a lot of work to do still to uh, recover from that. And that was a very, you know, very, very poor thing for them to have done and very dangerous for their business. Well, and I look at the, you know, some of the other numbers here, $56 in ARPU. I mean, that that's pretty good. That's pretty stable, you know, so. It is, it is. 
it, it really is. I mean, it's very competitive with the rest of the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to be able to continue doing that. Cause I, like I said, I, I hate to see them, you know, flounder much worse here. Uh, hopefully the 4g networks here that they're, they're launching here, they're getting the relationship solidified further and further with Clearwire as they continue to roll out different WiMAX cities that have great coverage for them. So I, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for them. I, I own no stock in them, so I've got no financial interest. But as a, as a former Sprint subscriber and a current Sprint uh, data subscriber, I really hope that they continue to uh, to move forward in a positive way. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, Sprint has decided that they're going to drop call forwarding fees in support of Google Voice. The, uh, the, the announcement came this week that starting in mid-November, they'll be dropping the 20 cent per minute forwarding charge for calls that are go to uh, that that are forwarded, what do they call that? The conditional call forwarding for busy calls or calls not answered using the customer's phone number. Uh, those will be free. Uh, the the standard twenty cents per minute charge will still apply to immediate call forwarding. So this is a, a an option for those we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, for Google Voice, if you have the Google Voice service and you want to use it for your voicemail, Sprint is going to be on board with that as well. Sprint also announced plans to open an app store. Sprint Nextel uh, will introduce uh, one uh, or an application store for feature phones, uh, turning to a third party to manage it. The goal of getting new offerings out to consumers of an average of uh, in an average of one week. Uh, the third largest operator will remove uh, its own built-in set of application offerings from the future BlackBerry handsets or Windows phones, and they are moving to this standard uh, app store, which you'll, the consumer will be able to use to buy applications through. So it will be, uh, be interesting to see how that works. You know, all the application stores we've seen so far have really been for smartphones. There's not much out there right now for the feature phones, so hopefully Sprint is onto something there and it works out for them. They also laid out their, their smartphone roadmap. David Owens provided information about the company would be doing later this year and next year with respect to phones and services. Owens confirmed both the HTC Hero and Samsung Moment would be receiving Android updates, although he did not specify which version. Sprint is also looking to offer dual-mode CDMA and GSM Android devices, but has set no plans yet. It is, however, considering an Android phone that offers functionality similar to Novotel's MiFi router. Owens said that it will begin selling lots of Android devices from HTC in 2010 and expects price points will come down as a uh, platform to as it gets more widely adopted. On the Windows Mobile front, it's currently testing an update to Windows Mobile 6.5 for the Touch Pro 2, but Owens would not commit to a release schedule. Sprint hopes the offer offering of Windows Mobile 7 phones will be very, very soon, uh, but it is dependent on when Microsoft will prepare it. As for Blackberries, the Tour will gain Wi-Fi, and Sprint will release other Wi-Fi-enabled Blackberries. Owens also noted that WiMAX phones will be available next year, but no longer allow tethering on its smartphone. So interesting uh, that they're going to be doing that, making that change. Obviously, uh, if it's got WiMAX in it, they want to be able to get the additional revenue with that. So uh, Nokia Siemens running LTE tests with four device companies. Nokia Siemens stated that it is running field tests of the LTE base station equipment that they've got with three GPP compliant hardware for manufacturers in Dallas, Alm, and Olu, Texas. 700 megahertz AWS 
1700 megahertz and 2100 megahertz frequency bands are being used and they said the tests are proving the interoperability of its own equipment with that of others four handset makers took part in the test but were not named well on to our first sponsor of the day netflix help support the cell phone junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of netflix Plans start at $4.99 per month with over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want. No late fees ever. Free shipping both ways. Free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time. And as a bonus to those DVDs, watch some of the movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for a free trial of Netflix. Well, my movie of the week is uh, a rather goofy one, but uh, one called Eurotrip. And it's, uh, it's a very, very silly short movie uh, that, that takes uh, a, a person who had just graduated from high school and had a, I guess we'll call it an internet fling with somebody and wanted to go meet them. And so travels to Europe and travels through Europe to try and find them. Very silly, very short uh, will not get the 90 minutes of my life back, but that's okay because the movie went back and another one is on the way. So we'll be looking forward to that one for my pick for next week. I watched the, uh, the DVD of uh, an IMAX film. Uh, you know, if you want some visual, some awesome visualness right there, go for the, uh, the IMAX films. They, they pretty much release all of them on DVD. And this was the Deep Sea one that had uh, Johnny Depp as uh, narrator. So uh, they're just neat to watch. Short little, you know, 40 minute uh, films. Hmm. Okay. Well, there's uh, there's lots of stuff out there. I know I've got one on my list right now for New York. It's like the the history of New York or you cool. know, t- tour in New York or something like that. You know, it's one of those. I'm like, well, I kind of like you know to see what's you know what's going on with New York and um, among other things, among a bunch of really silly ones, I'm sure that are also on there. But you know, it's a it's a queue that both my wife and I log into and manage. So every once in a while, we'll get something really odd that comes and just kind of look at her and. She'll say, no, you don't have to watch this with me. So <laughs> yeah, in, in my house, actually, I'm, I'm separate from my wife. So I've got a, we've got two queues for our three DVD subscription. So I've maintained my own separate queue. Okay, so let's talk about that for just a second, because there's a lot of different things you can do with Netflix. Obviously, um, I've got the, I think it's the $8 a month plan or $7 a month plan where I get one DVD at a time, but I get as many as I want. So if we want to watch, you know, a movie every weekend, we can, or, you know, a movie every couple of days, we can do that too. But there's other plans out there. Sounds like you've got something that's great for a multi-person household. Absolutely. Um, what's neat is when you do uh, have separate queues, when you have a multiple DVD subscription, you can um, actually put rating restrictions on them as well. So if you had uh, uh, younger uh, children, I suppose, is, is what would this would be awesome for. You, you restrict what movies they can actually add and see on the list based on uh, rating classes. So it's a, it's a very neat system. Actually, uh, Netflix did away with it, um, I don't know, boy, this two years ago or something, and uh, the, pu- the public outcry was overwhelming. <laughs> And uh, rightfully so, because it's a it's it's in a very important feature. Now, in the ability to to go through, they they have such great algorithms that find other movies that people have liked, and uh, not not really related to ratings, but you know the the personal ratings that people put on these movies helps you find other you know movies of preference. Uh, to them that may be of your taste as well. So it's kind of neat if you look for, you know, maybe just a particular actor or um, I'm looking here through some of the ones here. Apparently, whatever we've got coming now, uh, something called Burn After Reading is, has something to do with midlife crises because it says critically acclaimed romantic midlife crisis movies is one of the re- some of the recommendations <laughs> oh that I have right now. So it looks like I need to talk to the wife a little bit about that. And that, actually, that's... <laughs> 
That's based on the interest of uh, the movie Sideways. We had Sideways a couple of weeks back, too. If you're a fan of wine and you've never seen the movie Sideways, go get it right now. It's hilarious. A couple of guys traveling through uh, Northern California, somewhere in California, to different vineyards and stuff, and just just a great movie. So, But apparently something about midlife crises, so which I don't have, but apparently my taste shows that. But anyway, kind of fun. Lots of, lots of fun recommendations. Great, great sponsor in Netflix. So thank you to everyone who has helped support us by signing up for a trial with them. Let's talk about some devices here. First off, if you're not happy with your uh, O2 service here, or here, your O2 service in the UK, and that's the only reason that you have the service is because of the iPhone, Be happy, because the Orange UK is going to be getting the iPhone starting November 10th. Yes, two short weeks away, you'll be able to get a different carrier uh, iPhone in the UK. So check that one out if you're over there. Also, the iPhone launched in China this week. One of the hurdles, though, was that it didn't have Wi-Fi, a restriction that was imposed by the Chinese government uh, back when it was first talked about. The restriction was later lifted, but not before the Chinese-specific iPhones had gone into production. So the first batch will be with out the wireless technology. The Wi-Fi connectivity puts a spotlight on the Chinese restrictions and also the high price of Chinese iPhones. Very interesting to note that an estimated 1.5 and 2 million iPhones are already operating on China Unicom's network and new unlocked imported iPhones are currently selling for 20% less on the street than the Chinese models that'll be purchased without a contract when they come to China Unicom this week. So uh, kind of interesting that if you're interested in a in an iPhone, you can buy one for seven hundred and thirty dollars or up to one thousand twenty five dollars. It's twenty percent higher than the eight hundred and thirty five dollars that are being charged by the Chinese street merchants for the three GS that includes the Wi Fi. So uh, a pretty poor uh, pretty poor situation there for those that are looking to get themselves an iPhone. But if you want to do it the legal way, you can go to China Unicom and pick one up, and uh, they'll be committing they committed to five million iPhones for sale on the network though we we'll don't know how many of those will be without Wi-Fi. Kind of an interesting thing, though, something I guess, you know, we'll be fortunate, feel fortunate for here if you've got one here in the U.S. Apple amps up its iPhone production this week in order for them to meet the demands of the public for the holiday buying season that's shortly upon us here. They're going up 17 to 20% with the uh, components that they've requested from Primax Electronics and Foxconn Electronics. The recent quarterly earnings call, CEO Tim Cook of Apple noted that 3GS supplies were in short, uh, short supply for September and noted that supply lines have been restored. He's hoping Apple will meet the demands of the shopping season. So hopefully if you want to get someone in your family or a friend an iPhone for Christmas, you do so soon because it sounds like they are, uh, they're expecting big uh, demands for them this year. November 15th is the launch day for the Palm Pixie. Uh, in WebOS news this week, Sprint announced it'll begin selling the Palm Pixie November 15th. $100 is the low price for it after a $100 mail-in rebate and a new two-year contract on Sprint. This is the second handset from Palm to run the WebOS. comes with a multi-touch screen and QWERTY keyboard for messaging. It will also feature a Facebook application that better manages status updates and new feeds. The Pixie will be available online via telesales or by Sprint retail sales stores of Best Buy, Radio Shack, or select Walmart stores. So a few different uh, places that you can pick up a Pixie here. Joey, it's kind of exciting to see that the Pixie is now going to be upon us here. I I like it as a device. It'll be interesting to see what software they have, because I've heard they're going to be putting a different version on it that we've got on uh, on the current version of the pre right now. So we'll see what happens with that. For the WebOS, yeah, just be a newer version, uh, hopefully there. There's some rumors of that, so that'll be uh, good for them. 
I love the form factor of the Pixie for the WebOS. I would definitely go that route over the uh, the Pre uh, personally, but uh, we'll just see how it goes. I'm sure it'll be, uh, you know, the price point is a, is a lot nicer there, and we'll have uh, probably some pretty good interest this holiday season for that. Yeah, 100 bucks, a good a good price, online, telesales, Sprint Retail, and Best Buy, Radio Shack, and Walmart. Well, HTC's CEO says that they will not be making the HD2 an Android phone. They have to take care of Windows Mobile. In an interview with Forbes, Peter Chow spoke candidly about the desire for an Android version of the HD2 and said that technically we could make one, but we have to take care of Windows Mobile. So apparently they still have some requirements uh, with Microsoft on devices that they have to manufacture. And they said that also they've worked with Microsoft for 13 years and uh, I also believe we can work with Google for a long time, too. So, But they do not want to be destructive to the relationship that they have with Microsoft. So we'll not be making an Android version of the HD2. Well, Verizon Wireless announced that the BlackBerry Storm 2 is now available, and you can pick it up for $180 on a two-year contract. has BlackBerry Operating System 5.0 and features Wi-Fi. So pick that one up at Verizon for $180 on a two-year contract. We talked a little bit about last week the Impulse smartphone, and I mistakenly thought it was a BlackBerry watch. Indeed, it's a, a accessory for Blackberries, if you will, that allows for Bluetooth connectivity between your BlackBerry and the watch to alert you of incoming emails, text messages, or other alerts on your handset to your wrist via a vibration or an alert got a 1.3 inch OLED screen with a glass lens, full metal body, vibrating motor, micro USB port, and a rechargeable battery that says it will last up to four days with normal use. It is now available for pre-order for $150. It will be shipped out in February. Verizon's BlackBerry Curve 2 or 8530 got reviewed by no one else but crackberry.com. They picked it they picked one up this week and uh, put it through the ringer and talked a little bit about it and said it's pretty much identical to the Curve 8520 which is the GSM version of it except the back cover design and it felt entry level. The interface is said to be uh, satisfactorily snappy. The optical trackpad is really great and the web browser is still uh, worthless. <laughs> so basically, it's a, it's essentially the Curve with the newer operating system on it. It's got Wi-Fi and the new optical trackpad on it. it does have some stylish looks to it. And uh, it did appear this week in a Verizon wireless teaser for the holiday lineup, showing that the Curve 2 looks like it's going to be out here within the next couple of weeks, available for purchase during the holiday shopping season. Looks like the BlackBerry devices of note for Verizon this holiday, the Tour, Curve 2, BlackBerry Flip, and Storm 2. Well, the T-Mobile BlackBerry 9700 launch has been pushed back and looks like we'll not be seeing this one available until approximately the 16th of November. We'll keep an eye on this one and report back once it does get launched. Motorola and Verizon announce the Droid officially this week. The new Android phone running the 2.0 Eclair operating system of the Google-based operating system. It's got a sideways slider QWERTY keyboard with a 3.7-inch WVGA touch display at 480 by 854 pixels. It's got EVDO Rev-A, GPS, Bluetooth 2.1, Wi-Fi, and a 5-megapixel camera with dual LED flash, autofocus, image stabilization, and DVD quality at 720 by 480 pixel video capture at 24 frames per second. It comes with a 16 gigabyte micro SD card 
runs a Cortex A8 processor, takes advantage of many of the features of Android 2.0, which includes an integrated email inbox with support for multiple Gmail and Exchange accounts, SMS and MMS search, double tap to zoom in on the browser support with HTML5, improved camera software, improved on-screen keyboard software, running the new Google Maps navigation application, which we'll talk about in just a minute, and offers voice guidance and 3D navigation. Does not have the Moto Blur uh, software on it, but it will run with the stock with Google Android software. It has no UI customizations. Verizon also said that of all its future Android devices, they will be released under the Droid branding. It goes on sale this week, November 6th, for $200 with a new contract. Well, along with the Droid, apparently the Droid Iris will be launching this week as well, although there has been no official announcement from Verizon. Looks like a cheaper, a little bit uh, less feature-packed device on the Android operating system will also be available from Verizon. Best Buy says they're going to be offering the Motorola Droid as well, but they're going to give it away for $200 without having to send in the $100 mail-in rebate that's going to be required by Verizon. Again, it'll be available at Best Buy as well on November 6th. And there were a number of devices that got out into the hands of the blogosphere this week, and Gadget did a review on it, went through the device, through the hardware, through the software, and really came back uh, with the bottom line that this is a great Android device. It's not without its flaws, but they've done some good things with it to improve uh, with the software, the new 2.0 Eclair. Uh, looks like the the video capture works pretty well. They talked uh, talked really really highly about the navigation service, and uh, also said that the battery life of it is going to be uh, just fine for most people. And it's definitely uh, it's a it's a one of a kind device for the Verizon. Uh, lineup, but it definitely is again not without some flaws. But I guess no device is. I mean, there's there's always things that you're gonna you're gonna want to have improved on it. Yeah, there is, and it's uh, it, it's it's really amazing the splash they're making here. I know I've just you know met random people on the street, and and they ask about the droid, and uh, that you know they they've marketed it very heavy, and this kind of awareness is really gonna bring uh, Verizon up here. As far as um, you know, device sales and awareness of Android and the Google operating system, and these you know next generation uh, devices here, and they've got themselves. A, I, I think they they really got a good strategy going here for for selling Android devices all under a you know under a brand name that they you know uh, called Droid here, and we're going to see you know many devices coming out of this, and I think they're going to make a big splash here uh, and really really. Um, have a pretty good uh, competition for the iPhone. Yeah, it's a good smartphone. It uh, it looks it looks kind of fun. I, the one thing I'm still and and this is you know one of the one of my gripes about it. And I, and I don't know that I'm ever going to get over this with with any of these newer smartphones. But uh, the the slide out keyboards, I just I still am not a fan of a slider keyboard. I like a front facing QWERTY or just not one at all. Uh, again, personal preference. We'll see what happens with some of the other phones that they put out under this brand. Also, they put that five way jog dial that they have on the in a very strange location, which again is uh, is kind of like how the T Mobile G One you had that chin on there, which it, it caused your thumbs to kind of cramp up as you typed on. At least it did for me because you had to adjust your fingers and it wasn't symmetrical when you're holding the device. I didn't really like that, so I'm not sure how that's going to play into it as well. But uh, as soon as this comes out, I got to get my hands on one of these and, and try it out. At 
the very least. I was in Verizon this week with the and playing with the Storm Two, and I, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty happy with that one and what they've done with it. I got to see it at CTIA, but uh, seeing it in the Verizon store and playing with it there, it, it seemed to work really well. I was with someone who's a current tour user. They originally had the Storm and and were you know impressed with uh, you know how what they've done here with the new technology. The screen works a lot better, a lot more snappy and uh, whatnot. So anyway, lots of lots of new stuff here from Verizon. The Droid this week will be a big one, though. I expect more conversation about it next week. Well, Motorola CEO Sanjay Jha said the company is planning on releasing 20 new smartphones before the end of 2010. He wouldn't say if they will all run Android or if there will be other, other platforms, such as Windows Mobile, which he had previously talked about not releasing any more devices for, but what will else be supported. So expect a lot of new devices from Motorola over the next year. Sony Ericsson and T-Mobile announced the Sony Equinox. It's a quad-band GSM and Edge device for the T-Mobile 1700 MHz 3G network. The Equinox has user-customizable lighting accents that can be set as caller IDs. The Equinox also features a 3.2-megapixel camera, video capture, GPS, stereo Bluetooth, and FM radio. The Equinox has Sony Ericsson's gesture controls, which allows the user to silence a call by waving their hand over the phone. It's available starting on the 28th of October, which was this past week, $50 on a new contract. How do you wave your hand over your phone if it's in your pocket? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Hopefully you don't do it in a way where you reach in your pocket to grab the phone and can't quite grab it and it just, you know, sends the call right to voicemail, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, I really do like the looks of this phone, though. That's a neat looking one. Yeah, it's a it's a clamshell with just a standard 12 key keypad on it. But, you know, in typical Sony fashion, I've made it very stylish. It's got a kind of a cool looking, uh, you know, external LCD or it's not even an LCD display. It's just a full on display on the outside, I guess. Right. It shows new messages and missed calls and stuff like that. So kind of cool. Yeah, I think so. All right, well, let's move on. Samsung shipping a record 60.2 million handsets in the third quarter. Samsung Electronics said that the, uh, they had a very, very good quarter and that the, Samsung, that the, the profit had tripled to $3.14 billion, up from $1 billion in the year-ago quarter. The handset shipments in the quarter were up 16% from a year ago when they shipped 51.8 million units and up 15% from the second quarter when they shipped 52 million units. The average selling price of a Samsung phone was down slightly to around $120, although the profit margin was up 7.2% from a year ago. Samsung's global handset market share stood at 20.8%, putting them between number one Nokia and number three LG. Well, now for our second sponsor, the cell phone junkie Unlocked. More news in just a second. But first, a word on another way you can support the Cell Phone Junkie. The Unlocked Show is a bi-monthly premium podcast where Joey and I delve into some of the depths of the mobile phone industry and talk about all things that give you your TCPJ fix. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com, click on the link on the right for TCPJ Unlocked, then click on subscribe to premium content and follow the instructions to get signed up. Well, I wanted to share a comment made this week from John. John says... I appreciate and admire you, and I'm so proud of all that you and Joey have accomplished with your podcasts, although I'm not at all surprised. There is no other podcaster who takes so much pride or puts in as much effort into the sound quality and content than you. By the way, your Chicago 3G speed testing stories on the recent podcast were awesome, and the conversation you and Joey had about net neutrality was the most intelligent and balanced discussion I've heard about it yet. Uh, what you and Joey do is worth paying for, and I've yet stubbornly refused to subscribe. 
I, however, have done so now. I look forward to some great Unlocked shows. Sorry it took me so long to do this. Sincerely, John. Well, John, thank you very much for this heartfelt email. It, it absolutely made my day when I got it. Uh, also, thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the show so far. We appreciate every person who has signed up. Like I said, we had two shows out this week. We're usually one every other week, but as we come up with content, we release them, so you'll at least get one every two weeks, if not more. And of course, you're also supporting this show, the regular Cell Phone Junkie show, by signing up for that as well. Two options. You can do a $5 monthly uh, subscription option, uh, which is a reoccurring payment every 30 days, or you can do a 25% off option by signing up for an entire year. So for $45, you can sign up for an entire year. A great way to help support us by signing up for the Unlocked shows. Again, thanks to John and thanks to everybody for signing up for the Unlocked show. Some software news here. Verizon Wireless made a significant update this week to the BlackBerry Storm 9530. BlackBerry OS 5.0 will not be pushed over the air, but users are recommended to download the update over the BlackBerry Desktop Manager. It now stabilizes and improves the performance of many of the Storm systems, including faster camera launch time, faster image capture, and improvements to the browser and typing software. You know, I got a chance to see this one too. I've got a, a friend who's got a Storm. Put this on there. It's like a brand new device. It it's it's upgraded itself from a hunk of garbage to not that bad in my book now. <laughs> so, so a glowing review there. <laughs> not a not a not a storm fan. Can you tell? Uh, anyway, but it, it was good to see that they finally got this out there, and great that they got it out to the storm first. Well, my grandma and aunt just uh, acquired storms a, a few weeks ago, and they love them. Mm. Absolutely love them because the screens are bright easy to see easy to type on um because you know it's a backlit keyboard that you can that the buttons are nice and big on so there is actually there are some uh, big advantages to 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 the storm you know the one thing that i will say about it that that really gets me is in, in the storm one and storm two the, the keyboard itself your your thumbs get so tired typing on it and that's what i just i don't like about it i don't know if, if you've experienced that at all well, I haven't. I mean, I haven't myself, but uh, I suppose their usage probably is mostly just dialing phone numbers. So in mm. that case, it wouldn't be an issue at all. Yeah, I guess. I just, I'm, I'm someone who, with a BlackBerry, I know I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff that's productive on it. And, you know, I, I, it's funny how much I will just, you know, constantly reach for the curve instead of the iPhone when I want to type out a message or whatever. Even, even if it's something that, you know, I, I have to go and, and go to a website, uh, you know, even if I know I'm going to be doing a lot of typing, the BlackBerry comes out. And I just, I just don't feel that way about the, the touchscreen storms. They just, they don't, they don't do it for me. So anyway, but like I said, bottom line is they got the 5.0 software out to the storm. It's coming for more devices here soon. We know it is. We just have to wait and see. We'll be talking about each device as they get announced. Well, the Novatel MiFi 2200 firmware update is now available. The Verizon version of the MiFi, the 2200, was the first to launch back in May. The Sprint followed shortly after in June. And at the time of the launch, some of, there were some things about the hotspot providing a device that were causing issues, such as the power recently or shutting off without any sort of, uh, you know, uh, announcement or basically telling you that it was going to do it. Uh, the, ver the service update here in the firmware addresses certain things. Uh, the MiFi Verizon version will not automatically turn off the Wi-Fi hotspot feature when plugged into an AC wall charger. It also will uh, allow web admin usage and an animated battery icon will show when it's being charged. The Sprint version web admin now provides a way to lock to Sprint only for no roaming, and it also allows for international roaming access. So kind of interesting there. Uh, looks like we're going to be able to download this one directly from Novatel, and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for how 
to do so. Well, if you're looking to tweak your MiFi to be able to charge it over USB, one of the, the things that people have talked about with this device is that you can plug it into a computer, but when you do so, it provides only internet access over the 3G network to that particular computer. Well, there's a couple of things you can do. Obviously, you can buy a cable that only has the pins configured for it for charging the device, or you can go in and reconfigure the software. So I've got uh, a story here that will talk to you through this, how you do it. You basically go and download a configuration file after logging into the, uh, into the admin page. You open up a text editor, and you uh, edit an entry called router over USB, change the bit on there, save it, upload it back to the device, and you're all set. So it looks like it's a pretty easy w- thing to do. Obviously a nice thing if you're uh, interested in using this particular device uh, with it plugged into your computer. So it's charging and providing a wireless hotspot at the same time. So a good thing there for those that didn't know how to do that yet. HTC releasing an official Windows Mobile 6.5 update for the Touch Diamond 2. Uh, We'd already seen a leak of this come out, uh, but now it's official for the following regions, Germany, Denmark, UK, Sweden, Norway, and Portugal. Uh, Link in the show notes for where to go get it over at htc.com. Google recently announced that its Google Voice service now permits people to use an existing phone number in a light version of the web-based call forwarding service. New users will have a choice during sign-up to keep their existing number or select a number provided by Google. The light version loses some features but keeps Google's voicemail service. Voicemails are now transcribed into text messages and emails that can be sent to a phone. The service is free but requires an invitation. Invitations can also be requested directly from Google. So what does the new Google Voice service do? Well, specifically, if you keep your number, you can now get online searchable voicemail, free automated voicemail transcription, custom voicemail greetings for different callers, email and SMS notifications, and low-priced international calling. Of course, if you decide to get a new Google number, you get all the features that you normally would by signing up for Google Voice, including a one-number service that allows you to assign it and uh, ring any or all of your phones, SMS via email, call screening, listen in, which is a fun feature that allows you to, if you send someone to voicemail, uh, you can actually go in and listen to them as they're leaving the message and then uh, jump in live to the conversation just as uh, just as something, I guess, if you were, you know, wanted to find out what someone was saying, but didn't really want to talk to them, but then oh, I want to talk to you now because you've said something important or something like that. And also call recording, conferencing and call blocking. Yeah, that call screening feature, it's kind of amazing. It takes you back to the uh, days of the answering machine in your house where you could hear the, uh, you know, the, 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 yeah. the voice, the, the, the message being you know, recorded live and you grab the extension and pick up. It's uh, pretty neat. Yeah, so I, I thought this was a good thing for them to do, though, to allow you to keep your number. It, it loses a lot of the functionality, like, it, like I said, but uh, nonetheless, you can still use it to, to take advantage of some of the power that is the Google Voice service. Well, Google also announced uh, this week that they have 1.4 million Google Voice users currently, and uh, about 57,000 of them are using it full-time, seven days a week. I'm not sure what the other people are doing other than just maybe sitting on it, but uh, an interesting side note, Business Week gleaned the number from a PDF that was improperly formatted, and despite the number of users appearing to be redacted, it apparently wasn't. So uh, Google Voice at 1.4 million users as of today, November 1st. The Nokia N97 firmware 2.0 has come out as well. It fixes a lot of bugs and uh, will be released through the Nokia website here. Link in the show notes for where you can download that from. 
Google seeding Android 2.0 to developers via a new SDK. Google made Android Eclair available to developers through the Software Developer Kit. Developers interested in the 2.0 software need to update their SDK and the developer tools. It provides new APIs for developers for a lot of new features, including support for a unified inbox, multiple Google and Exchange accounts, SMS and MMS search, improved camera controls, and all the rest of the updates that came with the new 2.0 service. According to Google, the minor update will be made to Eclair before the end of the year, but didn't provide any further details or what that would include. Android 2.0 finally showing off, and will Windows be able to keep up? You had all these things that are being updated now, and we've seen the Android operating system here for just over a year, I think. It came out last October, and we have seen so many different you know, updates and iterations of the software and great devices that are being you know, provided here to the public now for purchase. What is going on with Windows Mobile? And uh, I, I'm really concerned... At, you know, we talked about how their market share is at about 5%. It's, it's not even on some charts here as we're talking. You've got a lot of power to it, but it's just the consumer is not really behind it. And I don't know what's going to happen with this one. Do you think who's going to who's going to stick with with, uh, you know, Windows Mobile anymore? I don't know. Is this worth a conversation? I'm not sure. I mean, we've kind of touched on it uh, numerous times, and it's 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 going to be a tough because uh, Apple is definitely moving into the enterprise um, realm here. I, I know of many very large organizations that uh, maybe not issue iPhones, but that's their preferred phone for the corporation to use uh, for their employees. And, you know, we, we saw the Apple store now uses iPhones for the, you know, for actually, you know, the, the checkouts where they were using Windows yeah. Mobile. Um, it, you know, it's uh, the pressure's on. Uh, there, there's just, and of course, the development uh, you know, for iPhone is, you know, the SDKs are out there and it's, it, you know, it's just a tough one because that's the device that consumers want to have. And, you know, if you're an, if you're a store employee or a employee of any company, Mickey, wouldn't you rather carry an iPhone than carry a Windows mobile device? Oh yeah. I mean the, the power behind what the phone can do on so many levels, I think is, is what really gets people. And you just, you, you don't really realize how easy it is to use until you've actually used it for a while and you just kind of get used to not having to really think about it. The new 3GS especially has really impressed me and I've had uh, literally, you know, you know, I can count on one hand the number of issues that I've had with it. Uh, They've been so few and far between and I'm just excited to see, you know, the the additional development for it. You know what Android has been doing. I just I feel like the the mobile phone industry has got a lot of momentum right now. Even through the economic downturn, it's really in, improved and and everything is is kind of fallen into place here. And Windows Mobile, I feel like, has just completely fallen behind. Um, you'll you'll read about it if you read my my Intrepid review. It's just it didn't it didn't do much for me. And I, I'm just I'm concerned. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with everybody else here. Well, they, they, you know, Microsoft, unfortunately, pulled a pulled a Microsoft and, <laughs> and basically let it rot for yeah. how many years there? I mean, they did little updates here and there with Windows Mobile 6, little update with Windows Mobile 5, little update with 2003, but it took years and years for these updates. I mean, these should have been months for these updates, not years. I mean, yeah. how long ago did they announce 6.5? It was I mean, over a year was, ago, what? yeah. Yeah, over a year ago. Look at how long it took. I mean, it, it's amazing how slow they move on this. Uh, it's it it's it, it's absolutely unacceptable, really, for the amount of money that they have as a company, and for how much is at stake um, for you know for these phones. I mean, they could be really raking in some serious dough, but they just sit and sit on these uh, updates 
and really don't do much for themselves. So, I mean, they've got themselves into the situation. Yeah, let's let's just leave it at that because I don't know what else there is to say. We, we've continued to talk about it. We talked about it on the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked show number 34 at Nauseam, I think, as well. So if you want to hear more about our thoughts on Windows, you can check that one out. Um, I was a little bit more positive on that show, but that was just because it was, I think, new. <laughs> it, it wore off very quickly. Um, 6.1 is just fine, just so you know, if you've got a 6.1 device. 6.5 isn't necessarily, in my opinion, a necessary update. Well, HTC confirms Android 2.0 coming to the Hero. Everything that we just talked about on the 2.0 update is coming very, very soon. No date yet, but we're hoping to see it before the end of the year. Well, the Google Mobile Map application offering came out this week. This is a game changer. You got to hear this. Turn-by-turn directions, voice guidance, plus the power of Google search. Google announced the Google Maps navigation beta for Android 2.0 devices. It will offer three-dimensional maps that users can layer with Wikipedia information or transit data. The application will provide voice-based turn-by-turn directions, include powerful new ways to search for directions and map routes, which includes access to the latest maps and business address data, simplified search by business or place name, no addresses are required, voice-based search, real-time traffic information, satellite and street view, Street view on a navigation system, access to points of interest along any given route, along with the application initially being available for the Motorola Droid, they will get it out to additional devices that upgrade to the 2.0 software. Google did not say if or when the application would be available, however, to these other devices. So what do any of these things mean? Well, obviously, searching in plain English, it's really kind of cool. You launch the application click on the search button and then basically start talking and tell it what uh, you're looking to search for. Uh, you can do this by voice. You can type it in as well. You can also pull up uh, the traffic view or satellite view, like I said. Also, while you're on the route, you can do searches. And this is where the power of Google really comes in. So the example that they showed in one of the videos was by doing a search for or pulling up on a navigation system, let's say you're going to a museum in a city that uh, you, you happen to know the address for. Obviously, it's real easy to type in an address and hit route and it'll find you from your current location to where you're going. But let's say not only do you not know the address, you can just simply say, you know, let's just say XYZ Museum, and it will route you from wherever you are to that museum. Or you can harness the power of Google if you don't know the name of the museum, but you know that there's an exhibit there. Let's say it's a Van Gogh exhibit. You could say Van Gogh exhibit XYZ Museum, Anytown, USA, and it will actually go look in, uh, you know, look in its search results, find out where that particular museum is that's hosting this particular exhibit. It's mind-boggling when you think about it. There's so many different things that you could do if you're looking for, let's just say you knew that maybe a particular band was going to be playing somewhere. But, you, I mean, you could say, um, you know, let, let's just say I'm going to pick the Gin Blossoms just for fun. The Gin Blossoms, Anytown, USA concert. And it's going to pull up probably a list of places that the Gin Blossoms today or around today are actually ha- having concerts and would able to route you to that location. It totally changes this and, and how people are using these navigation systems. And quite honestly, I, for Garmin and TomTom and um, you know the other folks that are out there, their stock took a huge hit this week when this was announced. Uh, granted, it's only for Android at this point, but there's no reason to get an, a third-party application for GPS now if you've got this built into your operating system. So very, very cool. Makes me totally think differently about Android now that I've seen this. Well, it's one of those killer apps again. Absolutely. Um, and you know, frankly, I mean, I'm going to take a step back here and just say how awesome Google Maps is, even on the Central. You know, it came with it uh, built on there. 
I, I can launch up Google Maps, hit the my location, pops me, you know, pops a little, bu- you know, button kind of near where I'm at. I type in breakfast and up comes a, you know, a, a, a handful of places I could actually go get breakfast at. I mean, that's basically unheard of. Could you imagine going to MapQuest, you know, five, six years ago and typing breakfast? Mm. You'd get a few places named breakfast. I mean, it's not, it, it's, it, it's totally different. I mean, it's so easy to hit a search into Google Maps even. Uh, you know, that's, to me, it's still amazing whenever I do that. Because, I, you know, I think in, you know, more hard terms, you know, you got to put city, comma, state, you know, what's your search. But, it, I mean, it, the algorithm is so smart already. I mean, look at these steps that they've made. It's uh, It just, it really does boggle my mind. And it's it's just amazing to see this. Yeah, like I said, the droid from Verizon will be the first to get this. And they've got some, some things that are out there, such as a, a car dock that you could plug this into. And if you haven't seen the videos, you got to go check them out. We're going to put a link to the Google blog, the official Google blog, I should say. And there's a couple of videos on here that you can check out. Just really, really fun stuff. I'm I'm totally blown away by this. Probably one of my favorite things that I've seen so far this year. Uh, and that's that's saying something because most of this stuff doesn't impress me, and this really does. Um, so you know, big uh, you know, big big fun stuff here coming from Google, and, and great for them for getting this out. Very very fun. The App Store has unofficially met. A new milestone. That's the Apple Store, Apple iTunes App Store, I guess we'll call it. They're passing 100,000 approved applications. Apparently, only 93,000 are actually available for sale yet, uh, but that will not be for long as the 100,000 application number is just around the corner. They've approved 101,847 applications unbelievable numbers and uh i wonder how many of those are flashlight apps <laughs> i was wondering how many were fart apps yeah by what ninety exactly. thousand or so yeah yeah it's oh okay it, i, I there, there's really too many I'm well there, there's one many. there's one really really good one in there it's the cell phone oh, junkie there? iphone and ipod touch application where you can listen to the cell phone junkie show wherever you are and any show we've ever done wherever you are it's good i did he- i heard that was the best one yeah well, you know words out so that's right Make easy time-lapse movies with your iPhone. There's an iPhone application out there called Time-Lapser. It lets you do it right on the phone, which takes a number of pictures over a set interval to put together a movie, and that allows you to watch uh, pretty interesting stuff here. They showed an example of it melting an ice cube, which I thought was really, really fun. You know, I don't really go much for iPhone apps, but this one, Mickey, I had to... I had to get this one out because I love time lapse <laughs> photography. I love it. I love seeing the clouds zooming by. I love seeing, you know, like they have the the picture of the ice cube melting. To me, that just it just fascinates me. So I think that's so cool. Yeah, I would uh, I would have a hard time finding a time when I would actually use this because you'd never have your iPhone sitting there no. for you know any period of time. But to me, it's just still fascinating to have that capability. You know what would be cool to have this is if you were driving on, let's say, like a cross-country trip and you just happen to have, you know, a phone available that you could just dedicate to doing this and you mount it on your dashboard in a, uh, you know, in some sort of mount, plug it in and just let it go and then just drive and then just watch like, you know, because it'll do it every anywhere from, I think, as low as six seconds, like, or you could even do it like every couple of minutes, you know, and it would just show like the different changes in terrain and stuff like that. I don't know, just... You know, really kind of fun stuff. I guess you could do that with any camera, though, too. But and you can do it on the iPhone now. That's the whole point is you can do this on your phone. 
that's right. Now we just need the uh, what a camera and an iPod touch now to, to so you don't have to have your phone dedicated to this. There you go. Yeah, you know what? There's so many different things. I I should just buy an iPod touch just to have because I always. I often feel like, uh, you know, con- concerned about using my iPhone because I may want to use it to, you know, take a call or check email or something like that. I'm not concerned, but you know what I mean. Like, I just sometimes I won't use it because I'm doing other stuff with it. So, not often because I just usually use it because I don't, whatever. Anyway. Okay. I'm yep. derailing here. Another, uh, you are. <laughs> another iPhone story. Black Snow is the next application available for unlocking your iPhone. It'll be available the 4th of November, and it can be uh, accessed over at uh, the, I guess it's maybe blacksnow.com or whatever link I put in the show notes here that kind of ties back into this. Anyway, a video showing how this uh, basically baseband exploiter goes in and takes advantage of the phone, unlocks it, and allows for it to be used on any other network. Of course, if you decide to do this here in the U.S. and you want to use your phone with T-Mobile, it will only work on the Edge network as T-Mobile has different 3G bands. Now on to our favorite segment, questions and comments. We're going to start it off with a voicemail from Ralph. Hey, Mickey and Joey. This is uh, Ralph in Las Vegas. I heard the comment you had on the last podcast about the slow data speeds in the hotel got something to share with you. I, I live here in Vegas, obviously. Uh, the wife and I went to the Palazzo Hotel just, you know, for a couple of days for some downtime and uh, had a unique experience um, on both AT&T via my iPhone 3GS and my Nokia E71 and my Verizon MiFi card, data connectivity was atrocious. It was, you know, like, like, like you said in your podcast, six kilobits a second, 10 kilobits a second, completely unusable. Phone calls went through fine on the AT&T network. I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on all over the hotel property and and outside by the pool and and, and the spa and everything else. And when I get away from the hotel property, I'd be getting, on AT&T at least, really fast data rates, 1.5, 1.6 megabits per second. Uh, Once I left the hotel, when we checked out both Verizon and AT&T, about the time I got down, you know, maybe a few hundred feet away from the hotel, it came back up to speed. So I know it's illegal, supposedly, but I'm wondering if these hotels are somehow blocking data, if that's even possible, uh, vice voice, and uh, trying to force you over to their uh, pay-per-use uh, Wi-Fi network. Anyways, just thought I'd pass that on. Thanks a lot. Bye. Ralph, thank you very much for the voicemail. So you bring up kind of an interesting question and one that I don't entirely know an exact answer for you, but I, I, I'm, I like your thought and I like your, uh, your, your conspiracy uh, thinking here that the hotels are possibly throttling down data just to get you to use their Wi-Fi networks. I, you know, it could be. And uh, my experience was, was, I would say kind of similar in that it was just inside. And as soon as I stepped outside the hotel, I don't know. I almost wonder if it's more or less just how many people are actually on the network in the hotel, because the most of the time, I think the hotels are more uh, you know, likely to do things for you to help increase your speeds to, uh, to, you know, so that you have good coverage and so that you're not complaining and you'll, you know, you know, you just want your phone to work in a hotel, I guess is, is the bottom line to that. So I, like I said, I like the theory that that's what it is, but I just, I don't think that's exactly it. Uh, legally, they can't, for one thing, no, because they'd be interfering with Spectrum. So, I mean, that's totally out because if, I mean, if a carrier uh, came in and, and detected some sort of jamming signal um, to reduce the bandwidth, that, that just wouldn't happen. And, and there's no way a carrier themselves would, would uh, agree to that because um, they make money by transferring data on their network. 
and uh, it, it, yeah, it would be a capacity issue more than anything else. Well, and if you think about how many rooms are probably in the plot, so I don't know what it is, a thousand, two thousand, something like that, and you've got, you know, let's say half of the people there that are using the iPhone or at least a, some sort of, you know, AT&T device, let's say maybe... 70%, 60% of them are using the data network. You've got a lot of people that are taking advantage of that. And especially if they put in, which a lot of the casinos do, a, a bi-directional amplification system, which takes the signal and uh, rebroadcasts it within their hotels that gives you better service. If you've got the data side of that running through that as well, uh, it's going to get throttled by uh, essentially the the pipe that is the bidirectional amplifier going back to that tower. So uh, it it could easily quickly become saturated, and you could have problems with it. So I think that's more more the case than anything else. But uh, like I said, I do like the thought process and appreciate the voicemail. So thanks for calling in. Next one's a comment from Phil. He says, Mickey and Joey was visiting family in Klamath Falls, Oregon. My iPhone was working fine on the Edge network, so I was surprised to learn that Klamath Falls residents aren't eligible to buy iPhones. On the AT&T website, it says, we are expanding our coverage every day, but unfortunately, this is one of the few areas we haven't reached yet. Please check back soon. Does that mean I was roaming on another GSM network? I wasn't aware that AT&T had domestic roaming agreements. Are there other regional GSM cellular carriers out there other than national carriers like T-Mobile? I thought I understood how this worked, but apparently not. Phil. All right, Phil. Well, there are certainly certain uh, you know networks out there that are regional that are not CDMA. There are GSM ones. There's uh, the one that I'm familiar with is um, Western Wireless, I think is what it's called. It's in the eastern part of Colorado, kind of ironic, but that uh, I was on roaming on AT&T, or I was on an AT&T device roaming on this particular network uh, when I was in eastern Colorado visiting some family uh, about a year ago or so. And so I know they exist, and there are there are a number that are out there in communities such as uh, Klamath Falls, I'm sure, that are running just you know networks out there that cover the residents of that area. Now, I could have been T-Mobile, I suppose. I mean, T-Mobile obviously usually has coverage in about the same spots that AT&T does, but it's always, uh, you know, y- I guess you really never know sometimes with the GSM phones now, they don't necessarily display on the screen which network that you're using all the time. A lot of times they do, but not always. So I, I would have, uh, you know, what I would say if you want to check it is if you pick up the next time you're up there and you've got a signal, dial 611 and hit talk and see what it refers you to. Because a lot of times it'll refer you back over to the particular customer service center of the network that you're on. So if you happen to be, let's say, on T-Mobile, you'll get to the T-Mobile customer service center. So that could be one way to check it. Um, There's also ways to go look at the ID numbers if you go into the field test modes and you can see what you know, information about the network, and then you can look it up, but that's a little complicated. Or you can just be happy that your phone works because it's, you know, one of those things, I guess some of your family, if they wanted to, could go to a a location outside of Klamath Falls, buy an iPhone and bring it back and use it if they wanted to. Uh, It would be roaming all the time. So that may, they may run into issues with that. But uh, there are, like I said, just basically to answer your question, there are regional GSM carriers out there. So you could have been easily roaming on one of them. So, uh, and uh, next one here, actually final one here, comment from Joel. He says, in the last Unlock show, you mentioned a question on how Microsoft is going to deal with developers distributing their applications that don't conform to carrier restrictions. Here's a bit more information. Microsoft isn't going to do anything to restrict the applications that developers produce and distribute on their own. However, the suggestion that Joey mentioned for the hypothetical 
Sling Player, the app advertise a fully advertises a fully featured version through another channel would not work. While Microsoft doesn't restrict one's ability to distribute their applications through other channels, there is a marketplace restriction that prevents a developer from advertising other application stores. Based on feedback that I've read in the Windows Marketplace for Mobile, support forums, a website that contains Windows mobile software for download that for free constitutes an alternative store. Developers' applications have failed certification for even so much as mentioning the URL to the publisher website if that website also distributes software. So I guess, Joey, there's our answer. That's kind of how they're going to do this then. They're not going to allow multiple... That's great to have the real information, not my made-up information. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I guess that's, you know, we kind of speculated on how they're going to do this, but there's your answer. At least it was hypothetical. But uh, yeah, that is uh, great to have some solid real information there. Absolutely. And that does it for this week. If you have any questions or comments, give us a call, 206 203-3734 or send an email to questions at the cellphonejunkie.com and of course in the show notes over at the cellphonejunkie.com we've got the other 87 different ways that you can get in touch with us so make sure you check those out at your leisure so joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening for more information about the stories you've just heard visit us at the cellphonejunkie.com 